Good morning. So, of all of the books in the Bible, all 66 of them, here they are. Why study Colossians? I mean, if we're followers of Jesus, wouldn't it make sense to uh, study the words of Jesus himself? I think uh, books like Colossians can be a little intimidating um, because, as you know, they're letters. And any time you come across a letter between two people, it means you have to do some work. Who's writing? Why are they writing? And the truth is, nobody likes to be taken out of context. But letters are worth their weight in gold. I have a chaplain friend who, who actually married his wife after meeting her and seeing her only once. But do you know why they got married? Because when they were deployed, they wrote letters, letters back and forth. And while not face-to-face, uh, they still saw each other heart-to-heart. And that's the beautiful thing about letters. They make you go deep quickly. And so if you are a person who wants to deepen your faith and your walk with God, if you are at the point of your life when you want to go beyond the superficial, the superficial Christian walk and the superficial Christian talk, Colossians is a book you might enjoy. Have you seen those massive trees outside, those big Fort Belvoir trees? Do you want to be like one of them? Well, Colossians will help your soul grow deep roots, roots like those big Fort Belvoir trees. Colossians, as you probably heard, it was written by a man named Paul, and Paul is writing from prison. Stop and think about that for a second. You are reading the words of a man in prison. His crime? Speaking the truth about Jesus. We don't know the details of what his prison cell looked like, but one thing we know is true, that the quality of the letters that he wrote in prison, true, yes, inspired by the Holy Spirit, without any exaggeration, are life-changing. And they've been changing lives for the last 2,000 years. And here is our chance as a small military chapel to read a letter that millions of Christians have enjoyed over the years. Have any of you ever been to Colossians? Or sorry, to it took the town of Colossae? You know where it is? Well, about 20 years ago, I had a chance to go there. I was stationed in Germany at the time. It was my first military assignment. And there's an army chaplain who convinced about 10 of us in our small military chapel to take a flight over to Turkey and walk around some of the cities that we read about in the Bible. And if you go see Colossae today, it hasn't changed one bit in 20 years. Because the nation of Turkey still, after all this time, hasn't excavated the town. And it's still just a big mound of dirt about a quarter of a mile square. But it's not the city that matters. What matters more, I think, is what God is going to teach us through this living letter. In Colossians, you'll probably see one of the the best descriptions of God. 
Because Jesus is God. And Jesus is the image of the invisible God. All things were created through him and for him. And through Jesus, God is reconciling all things to himself. Last week we learned that God is making relationships right. In future weeks, I think you'll learn that we will learn how God is making religion right, how he's making philosophy right, how he's making our speech and our conduct right. And there is a very real rescue from the domain of darkness into the marvelous light through the blood of the cross. So if you stick around with us in the next couple of weeks, next, next, at least through June, and make Colossians your morning or evening read, underline phrases that come to mind. And please, I'm kind of posting the notice now. If you're reading the Word at home, or maybe you choose to read Colossians as a, as a family or as a husband and wife, tell us what you're learning. I'd love for you to come one morning and, and just say, I've, I, I really enjoyed this phrase. Or, you know, tell one of the other chaplains what you're reading, Ken or Jerry or, or any of the people you meet when you come to chapel. You, do you guys know who Matt is? <laughs> Matt, are you, are you here? Matt's the guy who always greets you at the door when you walk in. And wouldn't it be great if you brought your gift to chapel, which is what you've learned for the Colossians, and maybe you shared it with Matt as you walk in the door. That'd be really neat. So, that's how we grow together, learning Colossians, I think. So, this morning, I will share a, a part of Colossians with you. It's a paragraph. And so, please take your Bible, and if you have it, read along with me. I'll be reading from Colossians chapter 1, verses 24 through 29. In case you'd like to use the Bible in front of you, it's on page 1,166, right in front of you. I just looked. Colossians chapter 1, verses 24 through 29. You know, some people say that you're supposed to have a, or supposed to summarize your sermon with one main idea, and one really clear thought you want to share with the people you're speaking with. And I wish it could be that way. I wish I could kind of give you a one central thought to take with you. But as you know, when you read a letter sometimes, Sometimes you can't do that because when someone's speaking, you, you just have to grab a hold of a few phrases that they use in their text. And, and so as before we, before we read this text today, I'd like to share with you a couple of the, the phrases that you'll hear in the text so that you can remember them well. The first one is, in the beginning of verse 24, Now I rejoice in my sufferings. You see that? Right now, right now, Paul says, I am rejoicing in my sufferings. This is not wishful thinking. Right now, Paul is finding joy in his sufferings. And the second phrase that I saw in this, in this, in this paragraph is this. It's at the very end. Paul writes the four words, For this I toil. Would you mind saying that with me? Because I want to make sure you got it. For this I toil. Say it with me. For this I toil. 
Another way of saying that is, this is my work. This is the reason I do what I do. This is, this is why I live. This is my purpose. For this I toil. The text is about a man who has found joy in his suffering, and somehow this suffering has mysteriously become part of his work and his purpose. For this I toil. These are the bookends, phrases of today's text. And now let's read what's in the middle. Colossians 1, 24-29. Paul writes, Now I rejoice in my sufferings for your sake. And in my flesh I'm filling up what is lacking in Christ's afflictions for the sake of his body, that is, the church of which I became a minister according to the stewardship from God that was given to me for you to make the word of God fully known. The mystery hidden in ages for generations and is now revealed to his saints. To them God chose to make known how great among the Gentiles are the riches of the glory of this mystery which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Him we proclaim, warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom that we may present everyone mature in Christ. And then that phrase again, for this I toil, struggling with all of the energy that he powerfully works within me. Amen. What a great text. Let's take a deeper look now at some of Paul's thoughts. In verse 24, Paul writes, I am filling up what is lacking in Christ's afflictions for his body, the church. Why is Paul joyful about suffering? Part of the reason is because I think he understands that he is part of the collective suffering of God's people. And Paul is filling up his own part. And he desperately wants to be connected to Jesus, suffering with Jesus. In another one of Paul's letters, he writes, I want to know the power of the resurrection and the fellowship of his suffering." Become him liking him in death because he knows that the church has always been a suffering church, right? Starting with Jesus, despised, he was rejected, a man of sorrows, pierced, crushed, a lamb led to the slaughter, And in different times and different circumstances, we have all had a stage where we suffer. Jeremiah, in his own words, says he was the laughingstock of Jerusalem. David, from Psalm 22, I am a worm, not a man. Job suffered gruesome skin disease, but it doesn't compare with the sting of death of losing seven boys and three girls to an early death. Some were killed by stones. Some were sawn in two, put to death by the sword. 
destitute, oppressed, mistreated, with whom the world is not worthy. The Bible was written for such as people, poor in spirit, for those who mourn, for those hunger and for those who thirst in righteousness because the world has left them dry. God blesses the suffering of the work of peacemakers as well because they wedge themselves in between conflict. Some suffer physically all their life, and some die early, some before they're even born. Some are bound to wheelchairs all their life, and some endure North Korean labor camps. Christians have suffered in coliseums, in classrooms, just last month in Cairo's Coptic churches. Some lose businesses, some lose elections, some lose their families, all because they take a stand and suffer with Jesus and the Word of God. But if you're willing to suffer for God's glory in any kind of way, like Paul, please be encouraged and be joyful because it is written and it will come to pass. And the book of Revelation gives us a glimpse that God will use the collective suffering of all of God's people for his glory one day. The testimony of the unjust suffering of all God's people from the beginning of time to end will be poured out through God's righteous wrath on, on evil. A mysterious collection of all of the prayers, all of the sufferings of God's people filling up their part. And so this is what you've heard today. Paul, he's, he's writing from his stage in prison. Joyful while he's suffering. Hopeful that we too will fill up the suffering on our stage. On verse 25 and 27, Paul writes the word mystery two times. I became a minister according to the stewardship of God's word. It was given to me for you to make the word of God fully known. The mystery, he writes, hidden in ages past. And what is this mystery? It's Christ in you, the hope of glory. And this is Paul's purpose, to proclaim the mystery of God, Christ in you. Troubling to think about it think that God is alive in you. Do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit with whom, with whom God has chosen you? You are not your own. You are bought with a price. So glorify God in your body. So next time you meet a stranger, um, within seconds, you can tell sometimes if they are a believer. Don't act surprised. It's not the color of their skin that unites you. It's not your common interests. It's Christ in you. There's one last thought from verse 28. Paul writes, Christ, we proclaim, warning everyone teaching everyone with all wisdom that we may present everyone mature in Christ. Growing, teaching, warning, 
God, through Paul, has his desire, which is to help people mature. Two weeks ago, I remember Jerry challenged us, if you were here, to walk in a manner worthy. Last week, Ken challenged men to be very careful about how we speak to our wives and to our children. This is the Christian walk, and this is the Christian talk. Maturity matters to God. And if there's anyone here who recognizes that God has placed you in the military to be a light in a dark place, these are your marching orders. It's to build up the body of Christ. You know, for many years I've enjoyed John 3.16. It's a wonderful and powerful verse. But it's only the middle of a book And there's so much to be read at the beginning and the end. Building up the body of Christ. When I was a younger man, there's a verse that uh, a Bible study leader shared with me in their Bible study. 1 Timothy 1.5 is a very simple verse, but he says, The goal of my instruction is love that comes from a pure heart. And though I've never been really good at delivering sermons, I I hope that when I do speak, somehow it is spoken for love for someone who is listening. And the love that comes behind this word is meant for the building up of you, the body of Christ. And as I think about you, where you sit, I realize that some of you Soon we'll be leaving the military in a few years. You may be retiring and think about where you may be going. And though this is text is kind of hard to package and sit together, I hope that you can remember some of the phrases that, that Paul teaches in here to you. Fill up the suffering church and be a part of the suffering church. And proclaim this mystery that God has spoken to you, that Christ is in you, the hope of glory. And wherever you go in the military after you leave, I hope those, those, maybe those, those values and those principles can be part of, of where you go afterwards. I, um, I came here about five months ago, and there's a really nice lady right here, Lucy. <laughs> right here, Lucy. She's looking down at her notes. Um, she sat behind us when we first came here five months ago, and one of the things she said was, um, Chaplain, I hope that you come back. Um, there are many people like Lucy who are retired military people here, and I think that you often wonder, what is my purpose, and why am I here? And I hope that you can be encouraging like Lucy has. Um, but the principles that I hope you remember of if you are retired is join the suffering church in the way that you can and proclaim the mystery to this younger generation of military people and do something to help grow and mature the body of Christ. I think there are probably some young people here too that are... Um, 
thinking about your purpose in life? Is life more than school? Is life more than the drama that you experience every day? And I hope the Word of God is um, spoken to you today. My encouragement to you would be to find your stage. Not your parents' stage, but when your suffering comes, find your stage and stand with the suffering of Jesus. Proclaim his mystery, Christ in you, and do something to help mature the body of Christ. Before we transition to our closing song, I wanted you to see that the last phrase within God's word concludes with a simple yet beautiful snapshot of the gospel. As Jerry taught us last month, and I hope you remember, we need to speak the gospel to ourselves. And since today is the first week, first day of the week, Sunday, and as you begin a new week, a week at work, a week at home, and a week at play, I thought we would end this sermon by speaking the gospel to ourselves. Everyone together in the last verse, Colossians 1, 29. So would you please repeat with me? For this I toil, struggling with all of his energy, his power at work within me. For this I toil, struggling with all of his energy, his power at work within me. Christ in me, the hope of glory. For God's glory together at Fort Belvoir. Amen. God, our Father, I thank you for your word today and this message to the Apostle Paul. I pray that we may find our stage to suffer with you in Christ, with the suffering church. I pray that we may proclaim the mystery, Christ in us. And I pray that you might inspire us to help mature your church, your, your, church, your body of Christ, wherever you have us live. Amen.